welcome to the show, everyone. This is Chatterbox Video Game Radio. My name's Alon. And I'm Ara. And uh, we have a show. That's that's what we do. I, uh, I've been playing Pikmin 3. I still, every day, I've been playing Pikmin 3, and my wife remains very, very interested in this game. I, I've already discussed, I mentioned Bingo Battle last week, right? That's, that's ringing a bell to you. It's still, it's still Pikmin 3? Yeah. Bingo Battle? So, we play this game pretty much all the time, and every time, like... I'm always cognizant of we've been playing for two hours or like I have to go do this other thing. Like I've got stuff I have to do. And uh, so I'm like, all right, I'm done. Right. She's like, no, no, a couple more games. Like she can't get enough of this. It's crazy. And it's the same like levels repeating over and over. It's like the same experience. I'm just shocked. Winning, winning, winning. Is it time for an intervention? Uh, No, it's great. But it's I am fascinated at her tolerance for losing. It is, it is amazing. I'm fascinated at both of your tolerances for this game. <laughs> yeah. But that, that reminds me of something funny that, that always seems to happen to me when I get a game that I really love. Well, that's a new game. And that is that it'll be like that, like what you just described, right? Playing all the time, maybe even every day, maybe even every hour of every day, whatever, right? But the funny thing to me is that for most games, at some point, and this point seems to happen uh, very suddenly for me most of the time, I just completely lose interest in the game and I just stop playing. You mean like there's just a quick cliff where you just are all of a sudden done with it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely no longer fascinated by it. Although I only just finished the single player like story mode last night. Um, and I was right. kind, of, kind of unhappy with the final boss, by the way. And I want to clarify, it doesn't actually have anything to do with whether I found uh, I was left with a very positive impression of the game or if I'm uh, stopping in frustration about something. One way or the other, it's like you play this game all the time and then two weeks after a certain threshold, it's like that game was just never even in your life and you don't even remember when you stopped playing. Yeah, it won't be like that for me. I'm not, I'm not that way. But You're a lifer for Pikmin? Well, no. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's a good game and it's not going to suddenly drop off. Like, I'm sure I'll suddenly stop playing it because that's sort of how life works. But uh, I'll still appreciate it and be willing to take it out and play sometime if she wanted to. But I'm sure we'll just move on Theoretically. to something else and, and forget. Um, but right now, she's at like... A, at like a 25% success rate against me. So I'm winning like three games for every one that she wins. And it's, uh, if I was, if why I do lost you think all the time. Why do you think she likes it so much? That's what I don't understand. What is it about it? I'm, because I'm getting the impression that she likes it even more than you. Uh, probably. I can tell you that it's very cute. And I'm sure that's part of the appeal. Like if it was exactly the same game mechanic, but like bloody... And like more like realistic limbs and bloody chainsaws. Yeah, but like it, but different. You know, like if it was all a, if it was just because it's a first, not a first. No, I'm a, imagining the exact same game, but the Pikmin have uh, actual human uh, proportioned limbs, and, yeah, and they're they don't blo- make high pitched noises, and they're bloodied, and they're, everybody has a chainsaw. Yeah, like she would probably feel differently about it that way. Or if it was just StarCraft, you know, with like vehicles and stuff, like other 
real-time strategy game. This is another interesting thing, and it's funny because game game developers get caught up in this conversation too because as game developers, we often like to say that we don't care what something looks like because we're most interested in actually how it plays, right? But the funny thing is is that we, we, even, we even are susceptible to, I guess... I guess the phenomenon you could characterize it as a game looks better than it is, although Pikmin can look fantastic, and it's also be it can also be a great game too under the yeah. hood. But it's like we we always tell ourselves that we're not susceptible to the way things look, and that aspect coloring our opinion of how a game is in terms of how it plays and yet we still are and that's the funny part yeah of it. no i i admitted that to myself definitely playing pikmin that it's the fact that it's so beautiful yeah. is part of why i like it but um it's definitely a quality game but with respect to her like i i like the cutesiness too right but it's for her it's a pretty narrow field of of interest right like if it's a cute type game it's much more likely she'll be interested in it than otherwise um and that all plays into it like into someone's psychological attachment to anything if something looks the way you want it to look if it sounds the way you want it to sound i mean there's well yeah you can identify with it more closely and it's just something that's more aligned with your values and i mean albeit in a super superficial way i would just say i mean Think about this. We all we all know that there's good music and bad music, or music that meets our tastes versus not meeting our tastes, even though it might meet someone else's. It's the same thing with visuals, I think, right? And and the whole package, like it just it suits. It's what I like, looking, sounding, playing, whatever. Yeah, there's um, the funny thing too, because the exact analog also happens with with uh, things that you can appreciate technically, but you have absolutely no appeal to whatsoever. Yeah, like. Gran Turismo 5, <laughs> you love, right? And I'm like, it. I could tell it's a high-quality game and of, you know, it's just made very well, but the game itself isn't interesting to me. It's not fun. I don't really enjoy playing it, but you could sit there for hundreds of hours. And I have. Yeah. And I and, do. And that's like me with puzzle games. Like, I could pro- probably go play braid over again even though it's a puzzle game where i know the answers to the puzzles i could probably go play that again because i still find it interesting um and i have several times where i sit and watch other people play um that's there's just some things to that appeal to people you know there's, there's you don't know no, i want to i want to mention a music example because this one this is the moment that i knew that this analog existed was when my friend had me listen to something by Aphex Twin. I don't know if you're familiar with Aphex Twin. Okay. I don't even remember what they sound like. I was like, shaking my head yes for those listening. But <laughs> Aphex Twin was, for me, the platonic ideal of a band where I was like, well, this is very impressive. Dude, can we call them a band? Is that what they do? Is that, uh, is that allowed? I can't say that I'm familiar with them enough to know, but I assume it's just like one or two DJs. Yeah. Anyway. Um, musicians I can't listen to it I get nothing from it emotionally absolutely zero intellectually I'm thinking in my head wow this is pretty impressive this must have taken a lot of effort to compose and uh, I'm, I continue to be impressed by it but emotionally 
nothing at all. It's I will never listen to it for fun or for any reason other than being coerced to. So, all right. What do you spend your time listening to? Like, so, what does the fox say? Is that is that more? Oh of your God! Don't even days? don't even start with that. <laughs> no, but it's the same thing with games, right? There's plenty of games too that I and just like you said, like yours, yours is Gran yeah. Turismo. You have an appreciation for it, but you'd never be caught dead playing it. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I don't know if my wife uh, has it in her to have an appreciation for something she doesn't like because, with respect to video games, anyway. It's very much like, nope, not interested, not interested, and doesn't take the time to even think about whether or not it's good beyond her own interest. But uh, it is fascinating to me that she has found something she's interested in. And another topic I kind of wanted to drift into, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but it just amazes me at her her willingness to get punished over and over and over. Oh, yeah. So that part I wanted to explore a little more because I've always thought – I mean, I don't know. She just must be totally in love with the game, and maybe there's no explanation. But for for me, the only difference was when I was, like, a kid, I had patience for those sorts of things. And as an adult, I just don't. I don't have patience to lose incessantly. So I, w- I want to clarify for, for anyone listening. Uh, she is quite good at it. She's just not as good as me. And when you're going up against one person over and over and over, right? Yeah. Like she's just, and I'm just not like I'm pummeling. It's not like I beat it in one minute and it would have taken her six minutes or something. Like she's it, clearly okay with losing. Yeah. To you. It's just that when you look at the number and it's like 30 to 10 after a long set of matches, like I don't, I don't know if, if I could lose every time and be okay with it. And uh, do you like rub it in when you play against her? Like you're so good at doing I uh, I am really good at ribbing people, and I think I decided when playing yesterday that I just need to stop because like she gets really upset, and it's when it started off because she doesn't understand. So this is another interesting. Do you thing. think that she likes the game more or less because of how you? Uh, how good you are. We could dissect this game and the interaction I've had with her in playing this game to have a number of topics. But let me tell you this: we will play, and I will sort of ribbit her for for losing. Um, and she gets upset and she would, she couldn't handle that. I would like stop paying attention to the fruit and the other stuff you're, co- you're supposed to collect. And like when I come around, when I come near her character and her army, I'll sort of like throw a couple of my guys over there just to mess with her. Like for no reason for me, I have no benefit in terms of actually collecting the things I need to collect in order to win. But obviously there's the benefit of me hurting her makes it less likely that she will win right and also there's the benefit of irritating your opponent yeah there's a clear benefit in terms of the game but she just sees the game as i gotta get the stuff before he gets the stuff but not that disrupting him from getting his stuff is helpful and so like she gets emotionally tied to this and mad and tells calls me names that i don't want to repeat on the on the show right like um i'm getting the sense that she likes getting mad at you uh, maybe who knows? I mean, that's that's a spousal relationship, but she'll get really upset. She'll be like, you know, you're such such an ass. You didn't even need to do that. You didn't you didn't need that thing that you stole from me. You just did it just to screw with me. And I'm like, yes, yes, because if I didn't take it from you, you could have won more easily, right? Like that. Or or I'm sure intellectually she gets it, but she still doesn't like it. And and I kind of want her to have more of an aggressive attitude in terms of like the military side of the game, where your guys can fight each other. She just. She doesn't do it. And sometimes she does, but it's rare. And the game's also set up in such a way where your guys will attack even if you don't necessarily want them to. So sometimes she does without meaning to. But um, it's, it's 
just fascinating how she plays it and how we play together. Well, we'll see how long this lasts. The game playing in. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back once again. You are still listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Sponsored, by the way, by University of Advancing Technology, whose website is uat.edu. And I tell you what, if I was there right now, I would probably try to strike up a game of Pikmin 3 and see how other people compare to my wife. Because I don't think that I am just this master player who can defeat all. It's just she's the only one I play with, and it's sort of like I've got it down. But you certainly will relish the... uh position of master player who can beat all until you find someone who for right can now beat you i mean i'm pretty good but but yeah i like it kid you were saying earlier that you when you were a kid could play a game and like just get beat over and over but now that's changed yeah but that was because nintendo ghosts and goblins oh dude that game and prob- and okay no other games right no other games to play except for duck hunt and then also no other games exist except for, well, you can't buy. Look, there's a lot of scarcity back then, and we didn't know how good it could be. So that's why I think it was the way it was. That, the problem with that game is that you have to go, like, you get as far as you can, you lose, and then you go all the way back to the beginning of the game yeah. and play through all the levels you, you know, are really good at already. Um, or just struggle through to get to that point with one life left that you couldn't get past before. Yeah, it's amazing what things become interesting once you are bored out of your mind <laughs> anyway well, that's that's common but i just we can leave the pikmin 3 topic but i definitely i don't have the tolerance like it things are more interesting when you are good at them i think that's just a general theme and yeah you were asking why she does it she is good at the game and she's played the single player stuff and done well and actually this the missions that you can play cooperative or single player. She's gone through and platinumed them all, which I guarantee you is not easy. So she's done very well. And I think that maybe she sees beating me or getting to the point where she's even with me in terms of the number of matches she wins as possibly the challenge she wants to overcome. Maybe so. Let me put it this way. I've always loved to say that anybody can like a game that they win at. That doesn't mean the game's good if you like the game when you're winning. What I think the true judge of whether a game's any good or not is if you still like it when you're losing. I have never heard that before, but I like it. Anyway. Moving on. I want to tell another story, even though we normally just tell stories at the beginning. 
another uh, real life story Go that has it. something to do with video games. So guess what I did this weekend? I know what you did this weekend. Yeah, so it's rhetorical, of course. Okay. So you're not going to guess. I'm just going to tell you because you already know. Uh, so I went to Wet n Wild. And your first question may be, those of you listening, what is Wet n Wild? Doesn't Phoenix that, know? Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess they know. That could be a couple different things, okay? Yeah, yeah. no, it's innocent. But it's a water park. And I noticed something really interesting. You know how they're talking about gamification and a lot of things in, oh, yeah. in business and in marketing and so on? Definitely. Now... Something happened to me at Wet n Wild that reminded me of something that's happening right now in a lot of free-to-play games because I've been spending a lot of time studying free-to-play games recently. And one of the hallmarks of those kinds of structures, not all games do this, but most of them do, and this is not a good thing, by the way. This is a very bad thing, is that the way a lot of these games operate is that when you pay to get something good, right, it's kind of like a zero-sum game in a way that the advantage that's conferred to you by doing so actually also, in turn, hurts everybody else playing the game just because of the way it's structured. So let me present an analogy, right? It sounds complicated. It's really not complicated. Basically, it's like, look... If there's like, uh, I don't know, if there's like 10 um, shekels in the game, okay? The game has 10 shekels. It doesn't matter what a shekel is or does, okay? Well, if there's only 10 shekels that exist, right? And if you can buy a shekel by paying money, then if you buy all this, if you buy nine shekels, then there's only one shekel left for all the other players. And if this is some kind of important resource, then by you buying that resource, you're actually prohibiting other players from having that resource. Get it? Well, yeah, but is that how common freemium games work? Not in that, not exactly in that way, but in an analogous way that that's effectively the kind of thing that happens where basically by you paying your way through, you're actually, because you're competing against other players, you see. So if you pay to get an advantage that makes you stronger, you're actually making other people lose as a result yeah, of you. Yeah, but you're talking about in a, in a game where you are competing against other people because there's plenty of games where that's not the model. Right. So in the games that that is the model. Okay. Okay. So the funny thing is, is that there are there's a couple of things that they do at some of these theme parks, and this one in particular that works the exact same way, where. And I, you may be already knowing where I'm going with this. This has to do with lines, right? Everybody hates waiting in line. Yeah, well, Disney does this. So Disney does this. Disney does actually the really nice way of doing it. There was two, there's two complications in the way Wet n Wild did it that makes this so insidious. And luckily, the time that I went, it was you know there weren't a lot of people there. So it didn't matter. So I had a great time. It was fine. But there's two things they do. For, first of them is like the, the fast pass style thing, right? And what is that? If you pay extra money, um, I'm just going to describe how it works at Wet n Wild. Like, let's forget about Disney because it's actually different. If you pay extra money, like let's say uh, you pay an extra 30 bucks or something on top of your ticket. So you're almost doubling your ticket price. Okay. You get this uh, 
extra like VIP privilege, which means that you get to wait in the short line instead of the long line. And everybody in the short line gets priority over people waiting in the long line, right? So automatically by buying this, you've actually already delayed other people and their line waiting experience. Yeah, the more people right? get it, the longer the line. Right, exactly. So the more th- – that's just one thing. The, they do another thing that makes this even worse and compounds the whole thing, which is you can actually rent a tube. So all of the slides have a tube – that you have to sit on, right? What? You can't go down the water slides just by no, yourself? No, you have to have a tube. I had no idea. Yeah. Now, there is a limited set of tubes. Do you remember the good old days when you could just go down a water slide? Yeah, this is not the good old days. This is a brave new world when here. people like hit their heads or their arms or something? I mean, I've been hurt on those things, but that's part of the fun. Uh, well, I wouldn't be fun going down these with, uh, without a tube. I'll guarantee you that. Really? Yeah, it's, that's it's no good. Anyway, that's not part of the... Okay, it's so not you, important. So you can rent a tube. You can rent a tube. But here's the thing. There's a limited number of tubes per slide. So let's say there's slide A. There's like 30 tubes on it, which means that if there you are 30 like people. at one time? Yes. I do not have the right picture of Wet n' Wild in my head. Yeah. Apparently it is bigger than I thought. I'm just making up numbers, okay? The numbers aren't important. Okay. So if there's 30 tubes on a slide, that means that – if there's 30 people in line, nobody can get in line on that slide unless they've rented a tube. Oh, just because they run out of tubes? Yes. Because there's a, there's a limited set of tubes per ride. Oh. So combine that with the other thing that I mentioned. And the interesting, insidious thing that happens is that when there's not a lot of population, it's fine. The system works. Nobody gets gypped. But once a critical mass of people is reached that want to get in line and start paying for it, you basically end up with uh, the person who decides not to pay the rental fee or the other fee to get ahead in line. They get completely screwed. They, yeah. get, they get the double whammy screwed. And it's, the, the thing that's crazy to me is that it's, it's actually like the whole dynamic is fully a function of the population levels in this system. Yeah, well, because they're trying to solve the problem of people being so upset that they, you know, have to wait in line for so long. Well, this is well, yeah, but here's what happens, right? Is that if you don't pay, the people who were upset now will get even more upset, and it yeah. just exacerbates the problem. So, I'm with you. so how that does is, this relate to games. Well, this is the exact same dynamic that happens in a lot of free-to-play games: is that the people who pay actually make the game more unpleasant for the people who don't pay because they get so badly dominated. And this actually happens more so in a lot of uh, in Chinese and uh, Russian games, uh, not so much in America, not as much, but uh, it happens. And that's, that's, that's another crazy thing. But Okay, enough about that. I'm, you've heard enough about Wet and Wild. Okay. So where are we going next? Where are we going next? Uh, well, GTA V came out today. Yeah, it did. And I actually I got a text from a friend of mine. Let me, let me read this to you. I'm pulling it up right now. All right. So my buddy Ben. Which I didn't notice until I decided to get ready for the show, yeah. by the way. No, I knew it was coming out today, although it snuck up on me. I only realized it a couple of days ago. I was like, wait, September 7th? That's like now. So anyway, my buddy Ben, he's uh, he's in New Hampshire where I, I grew up. And he says, where is it? He says, I saw something really disheartening. 
I went to a GameStop to sell a bunch of kids, uh, sell a bunch of games, um, and discovered that it was Grand Theft Auto V release day. There, of course, was a long line, but the line was 90% obese, sickly-looking children. Mm-hmm. I hope you're able to reach out to gamers and tell them that this is not cool. They need to put down the controller and go outside every once in a while. I mean, he understands I'm a gamer, and he plays games, too. He's not saying people shouldn't play games. But I was like, you know, my response was basically, I don't think anyone is arguing that the gamer population is the healthiest bunch. But... I would like. I really wonder what the stats on that are. I mean, one one sample is entertaining. But. Well, that's that's what I thought, right? Like in the <laughs> aggregate, what's it? He, and he pointed out, he's like, but you know, it's uh, it really it goes either way. It's one extreme or the other. Because I'm a pretty skinny guy, right? And he's like, a bunch of the kids are, are fat kids, and then are these tall, you know, skinny twigs like you? He's just like, I felt like I couldn't fart. I might hurt the kid blowing him over because <laughs> he was standing behind him. Anyway, we'll be right back. It's me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. Okay, so we were saying Grand Theft Auto Five. I, I only have two things to say about it. I don't know what you have to say about it. Are you going to say that you're upset? People are going to be busy playing the game instead of listening to our show? No, I'm. I'm not upset at all. Okay. If uh, people choose to play GTA Five over listening to this, that's uh, let's go for it. Enjoy. Okay, so it you, came out. Do you do you know how what kind of Metacritic score this game has? I suspect it's very high. Yeah? Throw out a number. Just guess. Don't tell me to guess because I already looked at this sheet. <sighs> You're looking at, Okay. I shouldn't show you so much before the show. <laughs> All right. So it's at 98 and 97 for each platform. That doesn't surprise me. Give, give it time and all of the, the negative Nellies will post their reviews and it'll bring the score down. I don't know. They've already got like 20, 30 outlets averaged and they're all – here's the thing. This is, this is what I suspect. And those of you who think that uh, GTA V is uh, truly one of the greatest games of all time can write us and voice your disagreements. I think that what this indicates is not that GTA V is one of the greatest games of all time. I think what this indicates is that the PR people for the game are the greatest PR people of all time. You know, if that were true, you and I would have had better understanding of its release date look <laughs> no that just like, means that we're not important enough to them that's all i just assumed that's such a big game it's going to take forever it's never coming out it's always just in the future let me, it didn't hit me that it yeah but let me out. but let me tell you what i'm talking about i'm talking about there are certain parts of marketing and pr in this industry and by that i mean the vast majority of the proportion that basically consider the press uh, this isn't the first time i'm mentioning this they consider the press as a force to be manipulated and coerced and i think that whatever whatever they did they're just really good at getting press to 
be convinced that their game is a 10 out of 10. Whatever that means. And they seem to do it better than anyone else. And if you doubt this, I will also ask you to look at the disparity between the Metacritic reviews and the user reviews. And I always find it interesting if you look at that difference because sometimes they're right on the same level and sometimes there's a huge disparity. I was actually looking at uh, the Metacritic list for Wii U games a couple days ago. Yeah. Uh, Because I wanted to see if there's anything for Wii U that I want. And um, all of the user reviews I was looking at were, like, almost perfectly in line with um, the, you know, reviewer reviews. Yeah, so so my theory is that when the reviewer reviews match up with the user reviews, then that gives you confidence in the veracity of the reviewer reviews. And when there's a great disparity, I think that you can suspect that there are other forces at work here. So what is weird to me is that this is Grand Theft Auto V, right? And we know that really for all intents and purposes, Grand Theft Auto III was the original Grand Theft Auto because the first two were totally different. And nobody paid attention to those. Um, but Grand Theft Auto III had like three iterations or four, I, who knows. Um, the fourth one came along. I actually bought it because I was like, oh, there's a really big game. Grand Theft Auto is a big deal. I should pay attention to it. And then I only played the online game for like an hour to see what it was like. And I never played the single player. I don't. I may have turned it on once for a few minutes, but I don't think I did. And I've been thinking recently, actually, because of Grand Theft Auto V, like, oh, I should go back, like find the copy of the game wherever it is in some box somewhere and play it because people seem to love this game. But it's weird to me that on like the fifth iteration for a game that, really doesn't change like i always talk about mario being awesome yeah. Mario series being awesome because every game is new and that's not totally true anymore because galaxy was the same the second time around but um for the most part the game changes significantly as as new versions release in addition within the game the gameplay itself changes dramatically from like world to world um and that's one reason that i've always liked the mario series and i look at current theft auto 5 and i'm like I mean, I have not seen Grand Theft Auto V at all, right? Not even a little bit. I haven't watched videos, so I can't speak to it for real. But I'm going to guess it's exactly the same as Grand Theft Auto IV, which was exactly the same as Grand Theft Auto III Wait, and San I think Andreas. It, it and looks, it'll probably look way better, though. It might look better. It might have more vehicles, right? But it's the same damn game. It's a sandbox game where you can do all sorts of stuff, which in itself can be interesting or boring. But, like... It's really the same game and the same thing over and over and over, even if it started off as good. Like, doesn't it eventually get boring? Wouldn't that bring the scores down a little bit? Wouldn't people have high expectations? And, I mean, it it has to be completely hitting it out of the park to have people still be giving it great scores. But Either that, I'm looking at it now and the user score is very different than the, yeah, isn't the it? Metacritic score. And this is, I mean, I just think this is where PR comes in, but... Um... Yeah, the second thing actually I wanted to say about this, actually that was one thing. There are zero it. negative critic reviews. I know. The user reviews have 34 negative and 114 positive. But the thing actually is- the fact that there's zero like negative reviews is just an affront to my sensibilities as it is. Well, and there's only one mixed. Yeah. 37 positive, one mixed and zero negative. And user is very different. But then again, people also try to manipulate stuff. Like, for all I know, this could be a Reddit thread that said, hey, everybody could log on there and give it a bad review, right? You never know. And 
I haven't actually well, read of course through them that's yet to check. But. Okay, ready for part two? Yeah. I think if this is this is one of the first times they've done this, if not the first time. So apparently you could you could have pre-ordered this game on PSN. And if you did that, you would have been able to download the game starting 3 a.m. this past Monday. Mm-hmm. So like one day in advance. So yeah, so like if you just if you just can't wait, you got to get it that much earlier. I don't think that would let you play early. It just it was a preload. So what, you can download the game early? Yeah, you download the game, and you but can't you can't play actually it? play it until a certain time. Really? Yeah, like they do that on PC, on that, Steam. Well, the they did call it a preload, so you're probably right. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. However, the that's game funny. did apparently release early through like Amazon and stuff. People were getting it over the weekend. Um, and Yeah, what a big surprise. Well, one of the most anticipated, hugest launches ever. Some retailers are breaking the street date. Yeah, and what's, what's interesting to me is that you know there was an article talking about how uh, Rockstar was investigating, and I was like, you know what? Investigate nothing. <laughs> Investigate your supply chain and the fact that you made a decision to release it early. It bugs me that, first of all, that there are street dates, but I kind of get it. But it bugs me that they would place the blame on anybody but themselves. Like, you yeah, have to design your, your distribution channels in the way that is best for you and not just put these weird limitations on the retailers who have the game and want to sell it or ship it or whatever it is they want to do. Um, just Ship it later. If you can't stand someone having it early, then oh well. And if the necessary physics don't accommodate your desire to have it released at the same time for everyone, then just accept that some people might get it earlier. It almost oh, seems like no. a trap. Do you think that it's a trap? Like, what oh, let's mean? let's find out who's going to break the date and let's find out who's going to respect our I mean, it, it certainly could be an additional revenue stream because I'm sure there's stuff in the contracts <laughs> that say uh, there's fines if you release early. That's funny. Right. Um, and there are, there's definitely penalties down the road. Like when we were at GameStop, there was all sorts of stuff about how like, we'll be fined this amount of much, this amount of money if we break the street date and then they won't give us as many copies next time and whatever. It's like, I don't know. That seems like a veiled threat since they kind of need us to make money. And were they veiled threats or actual threats? Well, GameStop does a pretty good job of not breaking street dates. I mean, since their focus is games, they do the game life cycle properly, but Amazon, they see they have a disc, they Ship it out. They probably have automated systems that just weren't set up to accommodate it, which is right. weird because also Amazon handles things really well. But um, it's not that surprising that they would make a mistake. Yeah. Big deal. Well, they handle things so well that I've gotten uh, two packages from them in my life that I never ordered. So I feel pretty lucky. <laughs> okay. Anyway. That's good. Okay. Let's go on to the next thing. Okay. Um I mean, there's a bunch of things I could bring up. Yeah, let's let's do uh, let's save the ooh yeah thing for the last uh, for the last next segment. So, okay. what's this cheap ass gamer business? All this Wii U stuff going on here. Um, let, let me see the paper again. We've got we got a paper that reminds us what we're going to talk about. Um, okay, so for whatever reason, I decided to go look at cheap ass gamer and uh, to see. I can't remember why. I was looking for something inexpensively, right? And I noticed that there's a sale, and um, not through Cheap Ass Gamer, obviously, but like Target's having a sale. You can like buy two, get one free or something. So I start looking at the Wii U games, which is why I was on Metacritic now that I, I recall. Um, and on there, or within the, the forums of Cheap Ass Gamer, people are saying, oh, well, I'm going to get these two games and get this one free, or work with a friend and get this other one free, or whatever. And there's all these people talking about Disney Infinity. 
because I guess that's coming out now or just came out. Yeah, their new big product, the which is not uh, getting rated as quite as highly as GTA Five, by the way. Well, nothing is. But a friend of mine also mentioned because we were like, "Why don't we play games online very much together?" And uh, he's like, "Well, unless you want to play Disney Infinity, I'm not really playing much else right now." He has a couple of small kids, so it at least makes sense. But I'm like, "Is that his know? excuse? Why is it?" Why is it getting so much attention? Maybe Cheap Ass Gamer is full of younger kids than I thought. But well, like, it seems like it's this is somehow a really popular game. This and is their huge marketing push product. They are, I had never heard of it. Oh, yes. But then I researched it a bit, and I guess it's a sandbox game where you can like build games or build like worlds for you to kind of play in or something, which is kind of a cool concept, except it's also – it's like uh, that Skylanders thing where you buy new yeah, new they have that, every day or week They have week that physical whatever. product tie-in. I think that they're – yeah, they were just they're basically just going for the um capitalist jugular as they say. What's weird to me is that it's like, oh, you expand the game, get new levels for the game, like new things you can do in the game when you get the new character. In Skylanders it kind of made sense. It's like you've got the game and you've got your character or the few characters they give you. I don't know if they give you more than one. Um and then you have to buy new figurines to have the extra characters in the game. So that kind of makes sense. You're buying a figurine, so now you can use that yeah, figurine. Yeah, that doesn't sound contrived whatsoever. Sure. Well, obviously it is. The code is there and just unlocked, but at least it kind of makes sense, right? You buy the character in the store, you use the character in the game. But this is like unlocking entire gameplay mechanisms. Like, if you buy one of the characters from... Uh, what? Toys. Buy one of the toys characters, and you can have the toys world. And honestly, I don't know the details of it, enough to be really sure what i'm talking about but from what i was reading the stuff you buy at least their marketing says you unlock like all new stuff and it's obviously not code in the game like it would also make sense if you buy the character and then it gives you it automatically like links to the store to buy the downloadable content you need that even makes more sense to me i don't know but it's some kind of racket that they're making a lot of money on whatever it is we'll be back Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. Then we're back. Once again, it's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. 
still sponsored by the University of Advanced Technology. Website is uat.edu. It's September, by the way, so I imagine the new class has started. I can't believe it's September. If, if we have anybody who's attending UAT as a result or partially influenced by listening to this show, I kindly request that you contact us just to let us know. I'm sure UAT knows, but I'm curious if, if uh, they're actually getting students. They tell me they do, but I haven't heard from you guys, so you should tell us. Anyway, uh, wrapping up Disney Infinity, I just don't understand how it went under my radar and why it's... Well, you're not, if it's you're actually not eight really years good. old, so that's probably why it went under your I radar. I don't know. My friend is like 33. So. But has eight-year-olds. Uh, they're not eight. They're younger, but yeah, has young okay. kids. I, I want to hear from someone if they've played it, if it's actually any good or if it's really just a kid's game. So, so write us. Fair Facebook enough. page is uh, you know, slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a bit long, but it's on our website. You can find it there, too, chatterboxers.com. Okay. What's the spin the bottle thing? I know that you've been chomping at the bit to say something about this. I mean, we don't have to. I just um, – it's not so – so I, I realized yesterday that spin the bottle for the Wii U has finally released. And is, it's this, is this based on the uh, real game, spin the bottle? Uh, I mean, only in the loosest sense, right? It's a party game. It's a party game where you actually, like – there's a lot of interaction with multiple players. It's like two to eight players. It's the kind of game that I want on the Wii U. I haven't actually played it yet, so I can't confirm that it's any good. Um, but also, they're doing this weird thing where the price goes up over time. Uh, <laughs> what? Right? Yeah. So they say up front, uh, we're going to be adding stuff to the game, and any all the content's always going to be free if you buy the game. Like all the downloadable content, whatever, is always going to be free. But as a result, we're going to raise the price as time goes on and there is more content to this be This is had. the opposite of what other games do. Yeah. It's actually really interesting, although that's not what I wanted to talk about. But I, it, it's why I thought, okay, if I want this game and it's going to go up in price, I want to buy it as soon as it comes out. And what I realized was I had no idea the game came out. It's not even listed when you go into the, the Wii U store with your device. It doesn't show up anywhere. Like You have to search for it. It's not an easy find. Now, I didn't go in there last month. Maybe it showed up that first week. But... What I'm realizing is, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past, like with this whole move to digital, how they're going to make it, make me, a user, aware of these new games, it's, it is a process that's going to be difficult. They're going to need to come up with something. Because like, Spin the Bottle, a $9 game, is not getting advertising on television, i tell I you that think much. It's, I don't think it's that difficult. They've just somehow, every single digital storefront has managed to F it up royally, and I can't fathom why it's that hard. Yeah. All, all somebody needs is they just, why don't you just show everybody the newest stuff in order of newness right when you show up, it's all you need to see. Really? Because I think they should also new. be able to order it by Metacritic score. And that's fine. You can have your extra features, but I find it very interesting that it takes actually you have to go down this you have to go down the crazy tree to find that view in both of the Xbox and the PSN stores of new stuff. And in other storefronts, even it's not even that easy, and I don't understand why they're making it so hard for us. Actually, I I do sort of, but yeah. well, I uh, I definitely want to play that game. I want to hear what other people have to say if they've played it. But I have a feeling very few people have played it, partly because it's not necessarily well known. It's super quirky, and apparently it's really hard to find as well. Like you have, when you have you to know kiss you people buy it. in this game. 
Um, you get to kiss. People? I don't know that there's kissing. No kissing. But there, there's a lot of personal contact where you're like back to back. I can I can only base this off of the really weird videos that they produce to show off the game without actually talking about what it is. It's just like people walking around and doing weird stuff. It's the promotional videos are weird. It's so touching, really, yes. Kissing, no. Kissing, I'm guessing, is no. But I don't really know. But it's like you lay the tablet on the ground, and I think there's a part where you spin a virtual bottle, but it also like has all these different mini-games and things you're supposed to do, like, I don't know, pass the controller to each other in weird ways where you're physically restricted or something. I don't I don't know. Okay, so not a literal interpretation of the uh, standby uh, no. schoolyard game. No, it's like spin the bottle... Bumpy's Adventure or something. I don't. I don't know why they added the subtitle to it, but okay. Um, I do want to play it. That's weird. Tim said he, he was like that kind of game. We should really. It'd be weird to play without a bunch of girls around, and I think he's right. It'd be weird to play with like a bunch of dudes at like game night or something. So we Fair should. You know, we should get together and decide we're going to have like party game night and get some girls her to play as well. I I told my wife that she's on it, so she needs right. to figure that out. Sounds good. Okay, let's let's finish up with this. Oh yeah. Okay, so we talked about this a little bit thing. last week, like the whole, well, just Ouya and consoles and all that. But now this is a new subject. This is the controversy. So why don't you do the background? Because I think you know the background better than I do. Okay, so Ouya announced this thing called the Free the Games Fund, and the idea was that you know Kickstarter is really popular now. Ouya exists because of Kickstarter, so they said. Um, People who are making games and uh, getting them funded through Kickstarter, if you like, do what you have to do with us, fill out a form or whatever you got to do to participate in the program, uh, which involves six months of exclusivity for your game on Ouya console, if you agree to that in advance and do your Kickstarter, then any money you raise, we will match. And I think there's like a million dollars in the fund, although I don't know if that's total or if it's maximum per game. No, I think I believe that's total. If I'm not I mistaken, I thought it was a total pool yeah. at first, but then after I've been reading it more, I started to think it's not. But I don't know. Well, I'm pretty sure they don't have unlimited money. Yeah, I don't know why they would, since I can't imagine they're that rich. But uh, anyway, so that happened, right? But then there were a couple of games, like one that was straight up suspended from Kickstarter, and another one that is pretty clearly abuse of the system. And the, by that I mean, let's say I want money to make a game right let's say me and you want money we each have 25 grand in the bank and we're like we want fifty thousand dollars for our kickstarter and you and i make a kickstarter for our game we each put twenty five thousand dollars of our money into this so there's two backers for the fifty thousand dollar total great we have succeeded uh which was not against the rules for the free the games thing and certainly not against the rules for Kickstarter since Kickstarter is going to get their 10% kickback right. anyway. And Kickstarter being a thing that exists completely separately from this new idea promotion thing. Exactly. So we give 10% uh, from the 50000 that we put in, 10% goes to Kickstarter. So we get $45,000, which really is our own money, back to us. But then Ouya says, oh, well, you made $50,000 in the in the." Um, Kickstarter, we're going to match that $50,000, so here you go. So now we get our $50,000 back, plus we have $45,000 from Ouya to make our game. So we're basically shills for ourselves. Exactly. This is what uh, that gridiron, whatever, what is it called? Gridiron something, some weird football game that where like the average amount per user in a Kickstarter. This is what they're accused of doing. The most successful ones, the most successful one prior. 
not the average, but the most successful one in terms of dollars per user had an average of 200 some dollars per user. This one comes along with the, the free the games fund and it doesn't look like a particularly interesting game for any reason. And it has an average per user amount of almost a thousand dollars. There's some other suspicious things and I'm going to mention these knowing that I was, I was just what this whole time, because I've been trying to follow this a little bit and this whole time, that I'm reading about this, I've seen so many people. Now, these are, I mean, this is a huge thing to accuse somebody of. This is not a light accusation. Absolutely. Right? But at the same time, it's they're not breaking a rule because none was set up. Well, yeah, well, this is the funny thing, right? Rules aren't broken. And so I'm like, well, what are these, like, why do people think that this is the case? Because up until now, I had just heard, of, okay, well, you know, they, they suddenly got their funding at the last minute kind of thing. And, you know, a lot of people counter that uh, argument by saying, well, yeah, a lot of Kickstarters turn out like that. And, and sure, that is not suspicious. But then I learned a couple of more details today that I'd like to share. Please do. And one of them was that apparently there's less than 200 backers for the whole product. And they've raised over 170k. Right, so that goes to your average. And to make it even worse, a lot of the backers of that 200 actually only backed a dollar just for the purposes of being able to post a comment. So that 200 number, so the proportion is even worse than you think. And if that's not entirely horribly suspicious, not nearly compared to the fact that apparently... There's been several backers who have the same surname as the company CEO. Kind of sketchy sounding. But that happens all the time. Getting your family to invest. Yeah, that's true. That's, they're like, hey, I've got this project. The thing is, I'm sure they said, hey, put the money in and I'll just pay you back right? just to raise the amount because of the match. Right? That's where it gets a little bit sketchy. Yeah. And honestly, I don't care. If Ouya wants to wants to do that, fine. But the problem is... There is certainly a finite pool of money, and so you're taking it away from other legitimate people who need that. When really you had money in the first place or you just have rich friends or rather friends who aren't rich but understand they're going to get the money back, um, it's, it's okay, taking so you advantage know what? of other people who are going to lose out. Like we were saying before, when you take, other yeah, people it's, lose. it's a zero-sum game. Here's, you know what, though? I'm, I'm going to change my mind right this second, though. I actually I just decided, you know what, like, we don't actually know what's going on. There's suspicious behavior for sure. Now, is that enough to publicly accuse somebody of uh, doing this? Uh, oh, I, yeah. I wouldn't. No, it absolutely is. Now, if you, if you study enough number theory, this is far Okay, outside. so you're, you're convinced that they're cheating. Oh, I'm not convinced. No, here's the thing. I don't call it cheating because there weren't rules in place that said you weren't allowed to do it. Well, look, let's not get pedantic. It's you know what I mean by cheating. You are, you're convinced that they were manipulating things. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. 100%. But the thing, it goes further than that. Um, Julie Ehrman, or, do I have that name right? The, the person who runs Ouya, she was like, you know what? We're going ahead with it. We're going to give them their $170,000. Everything was on the up and up. Right. Because she's defining up and up as following the rules. And that's honestly, they should do that. Right. Because they didn't set the rules up properly to to discourage that sort of behavior. So I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with the people even doing it. Hell, I probably would have done it in the same situation, like to get past a hurdle. I probably wouldn't have set out to do it from the get go. that way. But (laughs) 
But if I needed a few extra bucks to get past the hurdle, it's not unheard of for developers to put their own money in to go past that bit to be like, okay, well, we asked for 30 grand, but we'll live with the 25 that we got and we'll just put in the other five. That's fine. Um, but it is taking from the mouths of the other people who want to be part of the program, and that's a bummer. Uh, but what bugs me is honestly the developer reaction to Julie saying that she's going to support it. Because, like, if you don't support it, people are going to get pissed off. If you do support it, apparently some people are like, you know what? I'm pulling my game off the Ouya store just because Julie is letting this happen. And I was like, really? Like, she's in a she's Oh, you're talking about the other product that the, this other developer pulled her product in response to yeah, there's a, there's, Ouya. A, there's not just her. There's a bunch of developers who are like, that's lame that they're allowing this to mm, happen. You know what, though? I, I would actually defend uh, this, this developer. Actually, her name, I'll tell you what her name is. Her name is jo- Sophie Holden. And I actually, I'm on her side about this because the reason that she said that she pulled out of Oya is that she doesn't trust Oya management anymore for the specific reason that Oya management is refusing to directly address the questions that are raised. And I think that's a really good point because if you look at all the statements that Oya management has made, they are truly putting their head in the sand and not acknowledging that there is a huge opening for exploitation. And I really wish that they would at least acknowledge that. Yeah, I I agree with you there that they should say, you know what, we're going to change the rules to tighten it up and try to prevent this in the future, but we're totally going to give them their money because by the rules they didn't they didn't Yeah, uh, she's she's Sophie wrong. is just pissed that they didn't own up to reality and I completely understand that perspective. Yeah, but I also the the thing is Companies don't move as fast as people's emotions. Well, I mean, that's true, too. But also official statement made is a really big request. Just because you are upset about something doesn't mean they're going to put out a statement right away that matches exactly what you want. No, but what they did was I think the thing that made it worse was that they put out a statement. But it wasn't what she wanted. But it, yeah. uh, no, no. See, the, but that makes it sound like she's like asking for something unreasonable. They put I out read a statement. The statement. It wasn't that bad. Let me clarify. They put out a statement, but the statement, it appears, deliberately avoided addressing the prevailing issue. And that, and that I think, is worthy of criticism. Yeah, and that's that's just how PR is done, and it's a shame because I think PR should evolve and be yeah. more transparent. And I don't think that PR has to be that way, and I don't think the no, best do- PR is that way either. It doesn't have to be. I'm saying it, it is and yeah. shouldn't be, but I've also got to say they've done a good job with handling things in the past. Like, people not getting their ouyas in time when you could buy it in a store. Like, she was really transparent and apologetic. And Julie's done a good job. Oh, fair and enough. it is really strange to me that people are so heavy-handed against her when she's just, they're trying to do a good thing. God forbid it doesn't go perfectly and okay. Well, it's always the easiest thing in the world to criticize when you have nothing to do with a certain thing you're And when you're not putting a million dollars of your own money out. There right? you go. Like, how can you blame someone for wanting to help developers? Even if the developers are screwing with the system... They're still making a game. They're still developing. Uh, Well, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I suppose. We'll be back next week, everybody. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.